Well, good morning and happy Fourth of July. We're excited that you have joined us this morning at the 1030 service. Again, it's easy to see that a lot of people are uh, absent. They're on vacation. It's, it's really hard. I've always understood that uh, last week and this week are the two biggest vacation weeks of the year. So again, it's one of those things that every year when, I, when we get to this place and we kind of look and people are gone, I'm like, oh, I have to be reminded because when I was in retail, it was absolutely the worst weeks of business of the year other than the week after Christmas. So again, we know lots of people are traveling. A lot of our, our faithful people are gone. Uh, lots of people in Florida doing things uh, with their family and friends. So we want to welcome you. If you're joining us online, if you're joining us through Facebook Live, we're going to ask you, as I do each week, if you will, take a moment, share this from our page to your page. And again, it just multiplies exponentially the amount of people that will be exposed today to today's message, uh, no matter where they are. If they see it on your page, maybe they'll be tempted uh, to click the button there and to watch it, and maybe God will use it in some way uh, to do something in their life. I want to start today by asking a question that's pretty relevant to where we're going to be going in just a moment. Let me, let me also stop and say this. I, I stood in the lobby for most of the worship. I was in the worship uh, during the first service, and I kind of sympathized with the people who were watching online. When you look and you see these people singing and playing, and there's this big, black, dark shadow back here. So it looked really, really weird. So it, it, it's a part of the message, but again, we, 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 didn't, we, we couldn't move it uh, because he would probably fall apart. So we wanted to just kind of prop him up there and cover him up. So I know it appeared weird, but it's all for God. Here you go. So just hang with me, and we'll get there in a minute. Let me ask you a question. What's the last thing that you did before you came into the auditorium? What's the last thing you did before you left your house? Again, again it's going to register. One of, the, one of, if not the last thing you did, was you looked in the mirror. I was just in the restroom, and the last thing I did before I walked out was I looked in the mirror. I wanted to make sure that, every, I mean, again, it's just what we do. We always look in the mirror to see how we look. You know, I'm reminded that when I see people with pictures and people sharing pictures and with the uh, onslaught of social media, media and so many pictures being made of people prepared and unprepared, one of the things that I notice that most people are concerned about is how they look in the picture. I mean, if you know you were included in a picture, it's not about the other people, it's about you. You always gravitate to see how you look, and then if you look good in the picture, everybody else looks good. That, again, that, that's just kind of naturally the way it works. When you've been included in a picture, you, you know the picture's good if you look good. You know, again, when, when I think about this, it, it's, it's all about the outside. You, you look in the mirror to see how you look. You look in the, peri- the, the, the picture or you look at the picture to see how you look. Again, it's all about that outside appearance. Uh, back in 1984, somebody gave me two tickets to see Michael Jackson at uh, Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five at Nayland Stadium in Knoxville. And again, I look back uh, at my concert highlight reel, and that r- is right there at the top to see Michael Jackson really kind of at the peak of his career, and then to see him with the Jackson Five and about 60 or 70,000 screaming fans. It was just an amazing thing. It was a Friday night show. It was a good show. We were up under the, kind of under the cover, so if it rained, we were going to be fine. And and again, it's one of my all-time highlights uh, of the concerts that I've been to. That was 1984. Then in 1985, Michael Jackson released a song that many of you are going to know, and that song was called Man in the Mirror. And, And again, when we hear that, 
I think most of us think, you know, when we hear the song, Man in the Mirror, we think we know what the writer of that song was trying to communicate. I, I want us this morning, let, let, let's take a look at the, the, the lyrics to that song here. Check out these lyrics. The lyrics go like this. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Now all of you are going to be singing that the rest of the day, right? You already started, you've already, it's kind of got, kind of started reverberating through your head. If you take a quick look at all the lyrics, you start to see and you start to understand. This isn't a song about how to take off quarantine weight. This isn't a song about how I can have a, a, a six-pack abs, you know. This isn't a song about P90X. This isn't about a song that's about how to have a better body. Instead, the actual writer of that song said the song is much deeper than a man just looking at himself in the mirror. Here's what the writer of that song actually said. Say, say to Garrett. She said the song was deeper than just the visual of a man looking deeper at himself in the mirror. It was actually that juxtaposed with the idea of a man going deeper inside himself in order to make a change, to make a difference on the outside, you have to start from within. Now think about that. Because most of us are totally focused on the outside. I mean, think about it this morning. The reason that you stood in front of the mirror to make sure your hair, your outfit, your makeup was all right, the, th the very reason why you stood there is because you were so concerned about the outside. And I think when I look at my life and I look at the lives of many of the people I know, I think on a day-to-day -day basis, that's our primary concern. That's what we're mostly concerned about. We're mostly concerned about the outside. But this morning, I want to take some time, and I want to spend our time drilling down on this idea. And this idea actually comes from what the writer of this song said. And the idea is this. Change actually starts from within. And the thing I want us to realize this. I want us to understand that there's a connection between what we see on the outside and our thoughts and emotions on the inside. And, and this morning, if I could just be honest with you and, and tell you that the, the last 14 months, they've been probably the toughest 14 months of my life. Because the last 14 months have been a, have been a battle. And, and it's been one of those kind of invisible battles. It's, it's that battle that's, that's going on in my head. It's the battle that I would say is between me and my real enemy. And what I've understood is this. The goal of my enemy is actually to distort the way, the very thing that God thinks and the very thing that God says about me. And, you know, I'm surprised because there are a lot of people that struggle with this. 
I, I mean, I know tons of people, when I look at their life, they're, they're like me. They, they appear to have it all together. They, they, you know, you look at their life and you think everything with their life is going right. I mean, a lot of people that I know, a lot of friends that I have, uh, they're making deals and making money and building businesses. But, but when I talk to them and I get the, the, the time to pull them aside, I, I've started to realize that they have these seasons. They have these seasons inside where things are going on in their life, and you honestly can't see it. And, and maybe for you this morning, you would say, you know, well, this is really not a struggle for me. Maybe you would say this morning, this is not a lifetime struggle for me. But over the last 14 months, it's been difficult. Maybe like me, you've experienced the last 14 months and COVID and all the things that have come with it. And during the last 14 months, with the threat of, of you getting sick and the possibility of your family and friends getting sick, with, with, with the onslaught of the cancellations of things and, and the loss of normal and the loss of jobs. And, and again, you look at our culture and divisive uh, language being used by everyone everywhere and all the racial tension. It would be easy for you to live through these last 14 months and, and feel like, honestly, you're losing your grip. And, and because of what you're experiencing, you want to throw in the towel. And many times in life, I'm going to tell you, I am like so many of you, and I have looked at life, and I have looked at the circumstances that I have found myself in, and you know, I have felt like there is no way out. But if you're like me, and you reach those times where life is tough, and life is difficult, and you feel like there's no way out, the one thing I want you to know this morning is that despite how you may feel, despite how the last 14 months may have treated you, the one thing that I want you leaving here knowing more than anything else is this. There is hope. There is a way to win that battle. There is a way to win the battle of the mind. There is a way to win the battle within. And this mirror battle is much more than a positive outlook. It comes to the way that we see ourselves. You know, it's just listening to the Word of God, taking the time, just, just making the choice to listen to the Word of God, taking the time to listen to the Word of God over the negative thoughts in our heads, we begin to see the us as God sees us. And I think that's what's important. Listening to the Word of God over the negative things that are said in our culture, in our lives, being said by the people around us. Listening to the Word of God over the negative things that are, that are being thrown at us. If we listen to the Word of God, we begin, to see, we begin to see us as God sees us. And as a result, there is hope. There is a way that we can win this battle of the mind. There is a way that we can win this battle. And I'm going to tell you this morning, it's going to be the Apostle Paul that actually helps us understand this. He's the person that's actually going to help us get this right. We're going to look at uh, three or four verses in just a moment. And I want you to understand, kind of have a context, have a background for what we're going to be looking at. Because again, these are verses that I will tell you that a lot of times when people see these, they don't really know what to do with these. They don't really understand what was trying to be communicated. But in these verses that we're going to look at, Paul was actually writing to a church in Corinth. Corinth would be in what you and I know today as Greece. 
And Paul finds himself in a very tough position. Paul, Paul actually finds himself in a very tough spot because there's a member of the church at Corinth that is criticizing him because they thought he was being guided by his flesh. Now, that's a key word. That's an important word. Remember the word flesh because we're going to see that word three times in what we're going to read in just a moment. The word flesh, when, when we see it in the scripture we're going to read, the word flesh was just their way in that culture of saying that they thought that Paul was all about himself. They thought Paul was all about Paul, and he was being guided by selfish motives when it came to the church. And again, as a pastor, I can understand exactly where Paul is because, again, sometimes people will criticize you, and many times the critiques or the criticisms that are made of you, these people have no basis or no balance of understanding what's actually going on. So it's easy to, to lob a missile. I, I always say this, it's easy to throw a hand grenade and walk away. And Paul realizes that the criticism that is being made against him, someone is accusing Paul. And what Paul realizes is that in, in this criticism, in this critique that's being made about him, Paul realizes that instead of attacking the person that's making the accusation, instead of, instead of attacking the person that's actually accusing him, Paul realizes that this battle isn't really with that individual. The battle that's going on isn't really with that person that's in front of him, the person that he sees. But instead, Paul realizes that he has a different battle with a different person. And in the following three verses, this is Paul's response to his accuser. And this is what he says. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, there's that word. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive, captive to obey Christ. And we're talking about this battle of the mind. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. And you're asking, well, I don't understand, Randy, how these words are actually going to help me. How does what Paul say, how, how does what he has said here actually help me do, to win this? What do they have to do with this battle of the mind? How does what Paul said help, my, help myself to see me as God sees me? How, how does it help us to see our, ourselves as God sees us? Well, starting with verse 3, he says this, For we walk in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, here's what Paul's saying. Even though we have breath in our lungs, even though we have blood in our veins, even though we have flesh on our body, on our bones, we have to understand our battle isn't against another person. And Paul is brave enough and spiritual enough and manly enough to look his accuser in the face and basically say, you know, here's the thing I understand. You've made a critique, you've made a criticism of me, but I'm smarter than what you think I may be. I understand that my battle isn't with you, the person in front of me. It's much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. 
Paul says, you know what? It's a battle that I'm engaged in with the very enemy of my soul. So Paul looks at his accuser, metaphorically speaking, and says, I'm not going to wage war with you. I'm not going to wage war with a person. That's not the way I'm going to fight this battle. And I think that's one of the truths that we have to see right off the bat. When, when you feel like you're in a battle, when you feel like maybe somebody's made a criticism of you or somebody said something about you, somebody has said something negative or derogatory about you or in, in, uh, about an instance that you're involved in, the very first thing I think Paul teaches us and tells us is that we need to realize that the battle isn't against them, whoever them is. The battle isn't with them. Although they may have something negative to say about you, they may have said something negative about you. You know, and, and that in and of itself made me think. Most of us don't need any help with that. Most of us don't need any help. We don't need anybody else telling us to think badly about ourselves. Most of us already have enough ammunition, if you will, to think bad about ourselves, that we don't need anybody to help us think badly about ourselves. That's, that's something that we do naturally. I mean, again, think about this because it's everywhere. With the advent, with the onslaught of social media, that's, that's all the negativity that you need. You look in the comment section, what did I tell you? That's where the negative people live. They live in the comment section. It's amazing to me that people in their 40s and 50s and 60s and even 70s get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get, get on many of the social media platforms, and they always have to have the last word. And here's the thing. In the carnage of all this that's going on, that actually leads to a distorted reality of how we believe our Creator sees us. And if we could just remember who the enemy is, if we could just remember the right enemy, the enemy that from the very beginning of time has sought to steal, to kill, and destroy, we need to realize that one of Satan's best tools is the mirror. That's one of his best tools. That's one of his best weapons. Because Satan will use the mirror to convince us that we're too fat, we're too skinny, we're too dumb, we've made too many mistakes. And every time we look in the mirror, that's what we hear. We hear his voice saying, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too dumb, you made too many mistakes. mistakes. When we stand in front of the mirror, that's what we hear. We hear that voice. And because we hear that voice, that's what we see. We have to recognize that Satan is the enemy. He's the right enemy. And the enemy is not another person. Kids, listen to me. The enemy is not your parents. Parents, listen to me. The enemy is not your children. The enemy is not your teacher. The, the enemy is not your neighbor or any human being in the flesh. 
there's a very interesting quote that I think is attributed or credited to Plato. And the quote goes like this. Be kind. For everyone you know is fighting a battle. Isn't that right? Everyone you know is fighting a battle. And knowing that everyone is fighting a battle, we need to be kind. Because nobody needs your help. Nobody needs your help when it comes to thinking bad about themselves. And here's the thing that Paul was wise enough to know. Paul was wise enough to know, and not only to know, Paul was wise enough to understand that the battle that he was engaged with was not the person that was criticizing him. It was not his accuser. But the battle was actually with the true enemy of his soul who wants to convince him that he is not who God says he is. So you have to know who the enemy is. You have to know who the right enemy is. And now that you know who the enemy is, now that we know who the right enemy is, how do we do battle? How do, how do we fight against the right enemy? Well, he tells us in this next verse, look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Here's what he says. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, again, this is, again, one of those verses that I said earlier in the message. For most people, this, this is one of those things that when you read it, the average early Christian or the average young Christian will read this, and, and when they read this, they will honestly say, you know what, they'll just kind of skip over it because when they read it, they don't understand it. Therefore, not understanding it, they don't know what to do with it. But Paul is reminding us here that we need to understand that when you fight the right battle and you fight the right enemy, you've got to understand the right enemy is not going to fight you fair. And if you want to fight that right enemy and you want to destroy the strongholds in your life, then Paul is letting us know and Paul is letting us understand you've got to fight that fight and you've got to use the right weapons. If you're going to engage the right enemy, you have to have the weapons that you need to be able to fight that fight. I'm a podcast listener kind of person some of the times. I'm hot and cold, but I love a good podcast. And I typically will tell you I don't necessarily gravitate towards religious or faith-filled podcasts. I, I like to get information and statistics and things from other podcasts. And a friend of mine shared a podcast with me, uh, and this guy was going through a workout, trying to lose weight, trying to tone up, trying to do some things. Uh, because he wanted to look better and feel better about his body. And he, he signed on to this podcast where this guy was going through a workout routine and trying to tell people what they needed to do. And, and one of the interesting things about this podcast was, uh, uh, or, or one of the most important things was, he, he began to talk about things about the body and about the mind and he said, you know, it, it's not just about a great workout. It's not just about a great, a great body. He said, but one of the keys to success is something that he learned as a Navy SEAL. Again, as a Navy SEAL, uh, if you want to succeed, and most of you know that if you're a Navy SEAL, you have to be very fit in all aspects of your life. But the key to success in battle for a Navy SEAL, the very best Navy SEAL, 
one of the things that they do that is most important is they develop a sound mind that helps them to be able to perform in very sensitive, very high-pressure situations. And this guy in this podcast says, yes, the physical body, the exercise, the strength of the body is important. But it's the mental that distinguishes the best of the best of the best of the Navy SEALs. It's the mental that separates them from the rest. So here's the thing. When the, when the bullets fly and, and things start to get scary, developing a mind that will not fail you under pressure, even in the spiritual, that is crucial to survival. The main building blocks of a, found, a sound mind is, to, is having the discipline to carry out the necessary task of the day. Those that are often easy to forget, but essential for survival. And again, here's the thing. For a soldier in battle, if you're going to fight the right fight with the right enemy, you've got to understand that you need to have the proper weapons and you need to make sure that your weapons are in working order. Here's something I want to show you because this, this is something that, that I remember. I don't know who said it. I've got a couple of quotes this morning that I had written down that I don't know who said them. I don't remember who said this, but I did write this down as we talk about fighting the right fight, fighting the right battle, and having our weapons in proper working order. I saw this quote, and the quote goes like this. It says, take care of your weapons, and your weapons will take care of you. Take care of your weapons, and your weapons will take care of you. Now, what did Paul say? Here's what he said in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now, read that because when you do, there, there are these two questions that in what Paul has said there in verse 4 that to me kind of stand out. And the two questions are this. What are my weapons? And are they working? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Again, it causes you to ask the question, okay, I'm going to fight this fight. I'm going to fight the battle of the mind, but what are my weapons? And are those weapons actually working? What am I fighting with to win the battle of the mind? Well, here's the thing. In, in another letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Paul writes in Ephesians where he talks about the armor of God. And I wanted to give you a visual here so that you could see and so that you could understand. Paul gives us this, this visual of understanding what the armor of God actually looks like. So we brought Randicus back out so that he would be able to display that, and you would have a visual to be able to understand it. But again, if you've been around the church, you probably heard this. It's something you've heard about. In Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we see Paul write about the armor of God. Again, we're going to go over this top to bottom. On the top, we have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, and the shoes 
of the gospel of peace. In Ephesians chapter 6, that's where Paul talks about the weapons. And let me tell you this because I want you to understand this. When Paul talks about the weapons of our warfare, you need to understand that Paul is talking about the promises of God. He's talking about the fact that God has equipped us with the tools that we need to fight our true enemy. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, admittedly, when, when I try to wrap my mind around this idea of using Scripture as a weapon of warfare, it's kind of off-putting. It's, it's kind of difficult for me to sometimes wrap my mind around the idea that I can use Scripture as a weapon of my warfare. And let me just say this, because I think this needs to be said. Today, if you're here in the audience or you're watching or listening online, and, and, and maybe you're not a Christian, and the reason maybe that you're not a Christian is because you've been on the receiving end of somebody holding a scripture over your head and using it against you, then I want you to hear what I'm about to say. You were never intended to be the target. You were never intended to be the correct target. You see, Paul clarifies that the armor of God is intended. Look, look at what he says. So that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And these weapons that we've been equipped with have the ability to destroy strongholds. That's what Paul tells us. These weapons have the ability to destroy strongholds, like the, like the stronghold of anxiety, like the stronghold of a negative self-image. So let me ask you the question. Because you're going to fight this battle of the mind, and in this battle of the mind that you're fighting, let me ask you, what are your weapons? And are they working for you? What are your weapons, and are those weapons working for you? And a great way to answer that is to ask yourself the question, what is the first thing that I pay attention to when I wake up in the morning? What are your weapons, and are they working for you? A great way to answer that is what is the first thing that you pay attention to when you get up in the morning? Do you reach over on the nightstand and grab your phone and scroll through Instagram? Do you reach over and grab the phone and scroll through Facebook? Do you grab your phone and scroll through some method of social media? Now listen, social media isn't all bad. But if social media becomes the primary shaper of who you are, you are in trouble. So if this is a problem for you, if you're lying in bed and you get over and you grab the phone and somebody that you know has already got up and run a marathon that morning before you even got out of your pajamas, if somebody's kid has 
on the first day of school, they've equipped their kid or, or, or dressed their kid in the finest outfit that could ever be had, and you haven't even thought about you know, doing anything for your kids in their school clothes. If somebody you know has passed the bar in flying colors, then you're probably measuring yourself against people that you were never supposed to measure yourself against. And if you're measuring yourself against those people, ultimately, listen to what I'm going to say, it's going to destroy you. I'm not against social media. Because through COVID and through the last 14 months, social media has brought a lot of humor into my life. I love raccoon videos. I love cat videos. I love some of the TikTok stuff. Some of it's a little off color for me, so don't send that to me. But I'll tell you, over the last 14 months, social media has brought humor into my life. But the question still remains, what are your weapons and are they working? Is the first thing you do in the morning is turn on the news, look at Facebook, check the stock market, look at TikTok? Let me tell you, if you're looking at the stock market, looking at TikTok, looking at the news, looking at Facebook, looking at Instagram, how's that making you feel? How's that working for you? Or is that a weapon that backfires and does more damage to you than the target? You see, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And I've followed him really faithfully sometimes, and there have been times that I haven't followed him faithfully. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Over the last 14 months, the last 14 months have been the most difficult when it comes to me as a pastor actually digging in and relating to Scripture. It's been harder to engage with Scripture over the last 14 months than it ever has. So if you have this idea that, you know, as a pastor, he, he gets in a room, he opens the Bible, and the windows shake, and, the, and the, a glowing light comes into the room, let me just tell you, that's not true. That doesn't happen. Because even as a pastor, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's difficult to actually get into Scripture. And just like a soldier who knows, I've got to take care of my weapons. I need to know that my weapon's going to take care of me. I need to know that my weapon is not malfunctioning. As a soldier, I know I have to have a mind. I have to do the ordinary thing to be able to stay alive. And you know what I realized when I committed to making the Bible a rhythm? You know what I realized when I chose to make this right here the first thing I did in the morning? I remembered then how much I enjoyed it. And I never forget it. And I don't want to miss it. Because here's the thing, this right here, God's Word, it's beneficial to me. And here's the thing I know, this right here, God's Word, the Holy Bible, is crucial when it comes to my survival. Because I know this, when I start my day here, when I take the time to open this and start my day here, I start from a position of strength, not comparison. 
I start from a position of peace, not division. I start from a position of love, not hatred. And if you have never picked up a Bible or you have never paid attention to spiritual things, then right now I will tell you is absolutely the best time that you could do that. And I know it's big. I know the Bible's big. And I know there's going to be words in there that you don't understand, words that don't make any sense, like the word flesh that we talked about this morning. And oftentimes when we open God's Word, even in those really good paraphrase, like, like the voice or the message, and you, you know, things will be, there'll be things that we just don't understand. And even though it's hard to understand, even though we don't know what to do with what's being said, there are great tools out there that help you to understand what the Bible is trying to communicate to you. Do something like the Bible app. The YouVersion Bible app. Download that to your phone. And let me tell you, you can sign up and they will send you a verse every morning at 7.30, 7.20, somewhere around there. And they'll help you understand God's Word. And don't stop there. Pray with your family. Listen to worship songs. Because whether you understand it and whether you believe it or not, God sees that. If you struggle with the battle of the mind, if you struggle with anxiety, then take the time to memorize something like 2 Corinthians 3 through 10. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but I promise you can do that because you've done things that are harder than that. And here's something else. Don't miss church. I mean, literally, right now at 1030, it's six feet away from you. You can log on to Facebook Live, and you don't have to miss it at all. Let me tell you, you need to be here. You need to be in the auditorium. And for those that are watching right now, there are not a lot of people here. And we didn't expect a lot of people today, which is really sad. But you need to be in God's house with God's people, experiencing God at his best. But never miss church. You don't have to miss church because it's always going to be six feet away from you. So what are my weapons? Are they working for you? Take care of your weapon, and your weapon will take care of you. As we finish up this morning, I, I want to look at the second half of verse 4 and the remainder of verse 5, and we're going to look at it as one piece. Look at the screen behind me. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, here's the thing. When I hear the word stronghold, uh, the first thing I think of, is it naturally goes back to a time when I was in like grade school. I, I hear stronghold and I naturally think of a fort or something like that, something that you couldn't penetrate. I, I have a hard time saying the word impenetrable, but again, that's what I'm talking about, something that you can't get inside of. But if you look at the Greek, which the, this was written in the original language in Greek, you're going to see this. Stronghold in Greek is basically the word akurama. And what that means is this. It's really referring to a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked in a mental mind trap. Now visualize that. Because sometimes it can feel like we're the captive 
from a stronghold in our life like anxiety, like depression. A stronghold that we will never break free of. But Paul says we can destroy those. We can destroy those strongholds. Paul says that you can destroy those mental mind traps. Like, let, let me say this. Like, over the last 14 months, if you've battled anxiety or depression or negative self-talk, if nobody has told you, this is going to surprise some of you, if you've dealt with depression or anxiety or negative self-talk, if that's something that's happened to you over the last 14 months, if nobody has told you, can I just say this, you don't need to feel bad about that. You don't need to feel bad about that. And it's not your fault. But it doesn't have to be that way forever. Because go back to what I said at the very beginning. It doesn't have to be that way forever because there is hope. There is hope. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We demolish, Paul speaking, we demolish every argument and every pretension raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, that's so many of us because so many of us feel captive. So many of us right now in this service watching and listening online, we feel imprisoned by our thoughts. We feel shackled by the things that we think. But Paul says, by God's strength, we can be the captor and demolish any thought that stands against the knowledge of God. Because the knowledge of God, let me tell you what the knowledge of God says about you. The knowledge of God says that you are redeemed, that you are loved. The knowledge of God says that you are cared for, that you are chosen, that you are forgiven. The knowledge of God says that you are more than a conqueror. The knowledge of God says that you have been set apart. And that you have an inheritance in heaven waiting for you. And when I started to believe what God said about me, you know what happened? Then I started to see me as he sees me. When I started to listen to what God said about me, that's when I started to see me as God sees me. I don't know who said this, but you see it on the screen behind me. I think it was Andy Stanley who said, when you see you as God sees you, then you're going to start to believe what he says about you. If you'll just take the time and pick this up, and I'm going to help you in just a minute. If you'll just take the time and pick this up and see what God says about you and what God thinks about you, let me tell you what it will do. It will change your life. So let me tell you, when you stand right here and you hear that whisper, when you stand here looking in the mirror and you, you hear that voice that says, you're too fat, you're too skinny, 
You're too dumb. You, you, you've made too many mistakes. And what were you thinking about wearing those shoes? Let me tell you, when you stand there and you hear that, you have the power to fight back. You have the power. You have the weapons of warfare. God's given those to you. That's his promise. And Paul says that through God's strength, look at what he says. You can destroy arguments and every lofted opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You see, you and I can make the choice. You and I can choose to believe what God says about us. Not what the enemy says when you stand in front of the mirror. We can choose to see how God sees us. But let me just tell you this morning, because of the world that we live in, we're all broken. And, and you know, here's the interesting thing about that. Knowing that we're all broken, that kind of levels the ground. But Jesus came to change all that. It levels the ground, but Jesus came to change all of that. Jesus can change that for you today. There's a pastor that put together a list. He studied the scripture. I think it was Craig Rochelle. And he put together a list of how God sees us. And let me just say this morning, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, this is what is true about you. Because this is what's true about me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand in front of the mirror. And I want to remind me. And I want to remind you just who God says you are because of Jesus. Here's what he says. Because of Jesus, I'm a child of God. I'm a spiritual contributor, not a spiritual consumer. I'm alive to God in Jesus Christ. I'm Christ's ambassador. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm a faith-filled, life-speaking, fully devoted follower of Christ. I'm a vital member of his church. I'm content in Christ alone. I'm determined to love God and people with everything that I have. I'm strengthened by God who upholds me, who protects me, and defends me. I'm a child of God. I'm joyful, I'm gentle, I'm patient, I'm faithful. I'm self-controlled. I'm kind, I'm steady, I'm known, I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm fierce, I'm free, I'm healed, I'm unashamed, I'm strong, I'm secure. See, because I'm of Jesus, I'm a new creation. I'm never shaken. I'm born again, more than a conqueror. I'm named by God, mighty in his power. I'm confident and bold because God is with me. I'm not easily offended. I'm free from bitterness, 
I'm not labeled by man, not stuck in worry, but present in peace. Because of Jesus, I'm the light of the world. Not alone. Because God is with me. Isn't that good? Because that's what he says about me. And that's what he says about you. And when you see you as God sees you, grab a hold of this, people. When you see you as God sees you, then you can start to believe what he says about you. So, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. And I'm asking him to change his mind. What about you? What about you wherever you are? Wherever you are this morning, whether you're in this auditorium, whether you're watching in Florida or California or, or, or Japan. What about you wherever you are? Because this morning, if you want to choose and make the choice to step into the ring and fight, knowing that Jesus died so that you could have life, if you want to look in the mirror and see you as God sees you, and live knowing from this day forward that he gives you the upper hand in this battle of the mirror, can do that let me tell you what I know it's a lifetime battle it's a lifetime battle but let me tell you this the first step is simple and if you want to take that step if you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as your Redeemer and as your friend then can I just ask you to bow your head right where you are every head bowed every eye closed God, we take this time to say thank you. Knowing that you have equipped us to fight the battle of the mind. That you have equipped us to fight the battle of the mirror. The mirror that says we're too fat, we're too dumb, we're too skinny, we're too lazy. We've done too many things in our past. We're too addicted. You have equipped us to fight that battle. And because of Jesus Christ, we can be victorious in fighting the battle of the mind. Maybe right where you are this morning, you just simply need to realize and to pray that you, that, that you realize there's a void in your life. You realize there's something missing. You knew there was more to life than what you've experienced. And maybe today by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have, been, you have realized, you, you've become aware of the fact of your need for Jesus because you're fighting the battle of the mind. And you've already seen who God says that you are through Christ Jesus. So maybe right where you are today, you just pray, God, I understand. I, I, I got a glimpse of what this is all about. And today, right where I'm seated, in my office, in this church, at home, in Destin, I realize my need for Jesus. Because I want to be equipped to fight the good fight be victorious in the battle. 
So God, today I place my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, as my Redeemer, as my friend. And I turn from the life and the lifestyle that I've been living. And I seek to follow Him. If that's a prayer that you prayed here in this auditorium and you have one of those cards, you can indicate that here. You can also drop us an email, info at crossroadslebanon, I-N-F-O at crossroadslebanon.com and let us know that digitally by sending us an email. God, for the rest of us this morning, we want to be prepared. We want to be ready to fight the good fight. But not just that, Lord. We want to be ready to be called up when Jesus returns. The scripture says the dead in Christ will rise first and then we will join him in the air. And then we will spend eternity with you. And I don't think we have any glimpse of what it's going to be like. God, we love you. And we thank you for this time together as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It's all.